0: Hi, I'm Marty Grisani, and this is The Marty Grisani Show. As a full-time real estate investor and business owner, I have a real fascination of finding the key principles for business success and personal development. This show is a reflection of my personal mission to find out what truly makes somebody successful in business and in life. We will find tools and tactics that they've used to reach those levels. If you're the type of person is not satisfied with average, and you have a hunger for learning that will never cease, this show is for you. Welcome to the show. We got the power team and tonight we got marty
1: grisanti and mark monroe and uh, we're going to be talking about uh step by step how to uh find how to fix and flip a house and uh make tons of money doing it so that's uh that's what we're doing so
0: uh marty man how you doing today i'm good boys good to see you guys ronnie mark that's... it's been a while but uh I'm I'm glad to be back. Let's uh, let's get this thing cracking because I know we we can all add a lot of value to this topic as we've all we've all done it and are still doing it. So I look forward to it.
1: Absolutely, I think just I think kind of stepping back to the basics, right? When you step back to the basics and you get those dribbles down, right? You know, and you you're shooting from the free throw line, it just makes you better, right? Over and over. Mark, how Go you out. doing?
2: I'm doing well, doing extremely well, just. Back in the States after uh, being down in South Africa is having a great time down there. It's winter. Food is phenomenal. Love it.
1: (laughs) Uh, That's awesome. So you're you're in South Africa and then you're going, you're going somewhere else, right? You got like two more trips planned.
2: Uh, Well, I'm going to Nashville. Um, I'm speaking at an event up in Nashville, uh, June 2nd. And then I come back and then on the 10th, we're going down to Canary Islands. So I'm looking forward to that as well. So this is the time of year I like to travel. Dude, that's awesome.
1: Well, guys, we're uh, we're going to jump right into uh, the meat and potatoes of, you know, what is fixing and flipping look like uh, here in the industry? And I I would really like to start with Marty. Marty, I know this is your your primary strategy. Um, I know you got in uh, and you're holding rentals and you're doing the investment property. So why don't you just kind of start off and give everybody an overview of the product, just high level overview start to finish from finding to selling what is it what does it look like to uh to flip a property
0: yeah and uh really where you can win and do it very successfully is finding the deal right all the other stuff is important sure but it's the deal itself that's going to separate in how you really make your money right because just like a rental you're making you're making money when you buy the property so high level it's finding a deal and what that looks like in your market it's uh, it's then making sure that you have a plan a scope of work that needs to be done in order to then add value to that property to then as fast as humanly possible put it back on the market to sell for as much as humanly possible And that is really high level. You find the deal, you get in, you fix it, and then you sell it for a lot of money. Nice,
1: I love that. So Mark, obviously that's a a really high level side of it. And uh, I know we're all kind of buying, holding, buying, reselling. Um, When you're looking at actually taking down a property, whether you're gonna do the rehab or not, what is the primary thing at the very beginning that you're looking for?
2: I'm looking pretty much at my numbers. You know, that's the main thing is like, what's my contingency on, you know, if something goes wrong and you guys all been there like you start to do a fix and flip project and it kind of you run into some situation. You know, my last one, um, I did it virtually. It was up in Jacksonville. I never stepped foot in it and um, had people walk through kind of give me an estimate, you know, and then I finally purchased a property. And then the GC went through and they're like, oh, your whole floorboards in the front are completely gone. Like when you walk, you squish and like, so my people that went there inspected the property before I went and closed on it, didn't tell me about it. And it cost me an extra $18,000. So you wanna make sure you give yourself. So I'm always looking, that's the main thing I'm looking at is like, okay, this is my projection, but let me add another 10, 15% of whatever it costs on top of it to give myself a cushion. That's kind of what I'm looking at. Nice.
1: I, you know, I, I read something recently in a book I've been reading. He said, before I buy the deal, I want the most pessimistic person to tell me everything that's going on when I'm looking at this property. And then once I buy the deal, I want all the optimists on my team to help me get through, get through this whole thing and uh, go from there. So let's, let's kick off with finding, right? We've talked a lot about finding in, in, uh, in the past, as far as finding the deal. But I, I really want to narrow in on this concept of what are you willing to buy, right? Like what do you, you know, we're, we're looking for deals, we're constantly going out there. And if your guys' market is anything like mine, there's a, a, you know, a whole bunch of properties that are just not desirable to actually buy right? Like just not like you see them and they get pushed out, whether it's by their wholesalers, whether it's stuff you're finding seller direct. So, you know, what, how do you define the target property that you want to buy? Is there a certain buy box? Is there a certain thing that you're looking for in the property? Are you trying to fall in love with this property? Something that like maybe a buyer would fall in love with? Marty, I want to kick that off because I I think you take a little bit different approach than just buying everything where the numbers look okay.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, when I gave you my high level, I mean, on paper, that's what you're doing. But in the reality is you got to know your market and you got to know your numbers, right? I mean, you can't you can't just blindly buy stuff and then try to fix it up nice and to sell it. You don't you gotta know who is your who's your target audience here, right? So you wanna find exactly that zip code that you want to that you know is hot right so you'll know right and how do you know well typically it's what are the school districts in your area that are highly desirable right where is that neighborhood that is a high, highly desirable neighborhood that has the ugliest house on that street that's what you're targeting right that's what you want to find you want to find the shittiest house in the nicest street and uh, with the best schools so once you have like okay I know I want to be in these suburbs awesome that's done now you're good there now all right what do you have to buy things at well what are the costs of the houses that are selling in that area that you like in that zip code well a three bed one bath is selling for 250. okay awesome now you know that if it's all fixed up with the granite countertops and the cabinets and the flooring and all that shit and it looks great well you know you can get 250 so what do you got to do well you got to you got to typically get it for 100 right if, if it needs all that work because typically guys where where we're at our our basic rehabs are right now about 50 grand right so we're anywhere from 50 to eighty thousand dollar rehab if not higher to a hundred thousand okay so you got to keep that in mind and there's a lot of mathematical equations you could use to do that stuff i mean there's really just one and and actually i think ronnie or or mark you could probably speak to that but yeah you you really want to know where are you going to go and then once you find out where you want to go you got to find the right deal there's got to be motivation with the seller Typically, these are not just if you you know, it's not going to be on market, at least in where we are. You, you really got to kind of you got to really scrub and scrounge to find it and, and really dig in. And then third, you want to have really good teammates on your on your team. Like you got to have a good realtor who knows that neighborhood very well, that knows what it can sell for. And then you're going to need a contractor, a GC who knows exactly what every little inch is going to cost you so that you can really make sure your numbers are precise because you know when you're in the the battles and the throws of a flip you are going to get tested with you know this expense and that expense so you do want to have a really substantial buffer i mean our buffer is 40 grand you know that cuz that's that's what we want you know that we expect to make $40,000 on each flip so we're going to have a little bit more than that buffer Right. So you really need to get a lot of these. You need to get the properties at a discount. You got to know the area and then you got to have really good teammates that know what they're doing for you to get into this into this world.
1: Guys, he dropped some really good. Marty, you said you want to find the best neighborhoods. With the crappiest properties. And, you know, this of one of the mistakes I've made over the years is just like pulling a whole metropolitan area and just marketing to it. And then you've got, what you have is you have, you know, the double crapshoot, you've got the crappiest properties in the crappiest areas. And that's no not doubt. what we're, right, that's not really what no we're doubt. looking for, right? We're, we're looking for those properties that can be gems at the end, not no matter what you do to them, it's just, it's not something you're looking for. So Mark, is there, from your side when you're targeting a property when you're trying to decide this is what i want what is it that you think on top of what marty said what do you think is some of those rules of thumb that you put in place when you're going after them
2: so mine's a little different because i do stuff virtually all over the place um so when i have a deal that comes in i'm looking at my extra strategy who's my buyer that's kind of what i'm normally doing um, I usually will go ahead and sell to somebody that's going to do a fix and flip. Um, I have one right now. I mentioned to you guys, it's uh, in, it just between Orlando and Tampa. We put it on the market yesterday and it does. It needs about $50,000 worth of work. I'm not going to fix it. I had nine offers come in in the first day on that property, you know, Airbnb guys. So I priced it correctly below the fix and flip. And I just don't want to, in this market, I don't want to go through the fix and flip aspect of it. Um, because I don't know where the market's going. But in general, like when I was doing that last one I did up in Jacksonville, um, I had to really rely on boots on the ground. I had to do a lot of the diligence. I had to do my own research. You know, the beauty today, you can jump online and kind of do a lot of the research. How's the school district, blah, blah, blah. And then what I did is I found a really good realtor that I was using to sell the property to the end, and she was my eyes and ears. And then I found a great contractor. And, um, originally the realtor wanted me to go with her contractor and i'm glad i didn't come to find out it was boyfriend and girlfriend and i can just imagine they would have just slid things under the rug where i went with somebody else that they didn't know so she was like like for example in a second bathroom he went and put a laundry sink in there instead of a regular sink and she picked up on it sent me photos so that's kind of what i was looking at on that one so if i don't know the market that well i'm going to look for somebody i can sell it to as a fix and flip or partner up with somebody in that market that's kind of what i tend to do
1: so in that deal you still purchased the property and relisted it
2: that so, is correct i purchased it subject to okay. and then um took about a month and a half two months to go through um and then and listed it and did really well with it so i you know when i was new
1: I thought that anything that wasn't a assignment was a fix and flip. So you can still buy the price. So, cause a lot of people might say, Hey, I'm not into fix and flip, right? That's what you said. I'm not really into fixing them up and selling them in this market. But what you're saying is you'll still buy them. You'll still buy them at the right price and then turn around and sell them to say someone who is going to do that can you maybe unpack that just a little bit, you know, when you're, when we're talking about finding a target property that someone wants to invest in that wants to make money in, what are you looking for in that? Right. For those who are thinking, dude, I can either fix and flip or I can assign it. Well, no, you don't have to do either. There's another option. Can you unpack that for, for, for the audience?
2: Sure. Um, I'm looking at both I look at several different extra strategies. I always go into a plan A, B, and C. So if something happens, what's my next plan? That's I'm always looking at that. I don't go in there with just one strategy because things happen all the time. What's my emergency? If I have to dump this for whatever reason. What's how what's what's my worst case scenario? Um, so on this particular one, um, you know, each one of them is different. I saw that there's great profit there. I saw the potential. I, I knew uh, I got a referral from the contractor and I just felt like, Hey, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead in that market during the time the Jacksonville market was going crazy. So I knew I could come out ahead and probably tack on another $25,000 profit on it versus just selling it. And actually I ended up making about $32,000 extra doing a fix and flip versus if I just sold it outright. I love that.
1: I think that's awesome. You know, when I when I jumped in very similarly, I used to think when I bought it, I had to fix it up right for for years that it was either I'm going to sign it or I'm going to buy it and do a full blown flip. It was probably not until 2016 that I realized that people are actually buying them and turning around and just putting them on the market for a fix and flipper to buy because. I think it's becoming more and more common for people to look for their properties on the mls today and so guys if you're out there looking at deals if you can line up which we're going to talk to here in a little bit about and just analyzing the deal if you can line up the funding if you can figure out the acquisition you don't have to do all the work now kind of back to that you know lining up the analyzing the property and marty i want to i want to go back to you you talked about you talked about a scope of work, right? You talked about like, okay, you've got the property, you put it under contract. You're you're trying to kind of distinguish that risk versus reward on this property.
0: What does that analysis process look like? So, you know, we are, our big part of our company is a fix and flip division, right? We have employees. So, you know, we like to keep them busy. So we're looking at, when we're see when we're, t- when we're looking at properties, because we have a wholesaling division, but the wholesaling division is for the fix and flip division. So we really look at it one way, like, Hey, we know this is going to work, right? Cause we're buying it. So, right. We're buying it with a wholesale mindset, right? The, the property is going to make sense. And what does that mean? Buying it with a wholesale mindset, Can you- the wholesale mindset is we're getting it at 40 cents on the dollar. Right, we're getting it at fifty cents on the dollar at the most, so we don't. We, we don't. We can pick and choose, right? Like, we we don't. We're not just whimsical about, hey, we're gonna buy this and then fix it up and then it'll be like a fun project. So it's it's very much okay. We know because guys, at the end of the day, we're we're six years of doing it, so it's a little different. You know, day one, folks, this wouldn't be something I would do, straight up. Right. Like you're you, you got to find the right deal to do this. And you have to have the right people. And cause you can get punched in the face very quickly. Uh, that's why you have to have it at a wholesale price to fix and flip when you're new, but we have just kept that same mindset. We're not, we're not going to just, you know, make something happen. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to be there. Like we, we don't have to like, oh geez, like, is this going to work? It's like, oh gosh, this thing. We could sell it to, you know, it it just, it has to make a ton of sense for us. And we get, we get really excited about the fix and flips that we do. So back to your question about the scope of work, you know, that's again, where having the contractors that are on our team, they can go, okay, we know what this costs. We have the surplus of this material. I mean, we know what this paint costs. So I I guess I, I don't know other than we just follow what amber says who's my partner's wife and if amber thinks it's good and we know it is because we can go in and we can see it right away that it's it's right in our wheelhouse where it's like it's cosmetic guys is what i really should say it's a it's a kitchen it's a bath we're not messing with a uh if, if something's built on a if something's built on a slab we don't like it if something's pre-1900 we don't like it if something has bad roof we don't like it foundation we don't like it we are very picky we're greedy and we're fat and lazy we want a kitchen bath floors and paint if that's all we have to do is a kitchen a bath floors and paint and the windows are new and the roof is good and the driveway's fine then the rest will take care of itself but you you really got to be very specific and, and picky on what you buy
1: So if that's the case, I'll ask, do you still find the deals you're looking for by being picky? I think that's the fear, right? Like that that would be my fear is the pickier I am, well, then I'm not gonna find deals. Is it, do you find that being true or like where people have to kind of expand a little bit or do you find that being more true to what you want? You're just rewarded by sharing with people. This is exactly what I want. And so it comes to you.
0: Exactly. It's what you're looking for. You're telling people what you're looking for. And it, it starts to you go, hey, this is my buy box. And, you know, can, can we go against that? And will we do a roof? Sure. But then we're going to we're going to go, OK, what are our, our roofs cost right now or on a regular 1200 square foot house is going to be 30 grand. Right. So, OK, well, that's now the number that we have to we have to put into effect uh we want to make sure okay what about um what about like the the siding right what about all those things to answer your question yeah i still think because we're bananas with our marketing like we we're not we are targeting exactly what we're looking for in the neighborhood's exactly what we're looking for and for stuff that we don't want we'll wholesale it out but the stuff that we do want we're only doing 12 a year we're not doing crazy amount of flips we're doing 12 one a month and the amount of marketing that we're doing is it allows us to be picky so if you don't have that skill set if you don't have the marketing engine then you're going to have to take some get uh, risks and that's just that's the way it is and, and you'll learn a lot that way because again this is six years of knowing exactly what we want to do right we don't want to do the big hundred and fifty thousand dollar rehabs anymore we don't want to do the doubles the duplexes re uh, flips we don't we want to do this perfectly cosmetic like i said we're lazy and we're greedy and we're picky now so if we can just keep the marketing up and again we're spending a lot of money there but we know that it all comes back because we, we are being very specific on what we're looking for
1: that's really
0: powerful guys
1: i i know for me I get caught up in the trap of I need to do 70 deals, right? I've, I've talked about this in the past of, you know, I scaled up very quickly early on, right? I've done I've done over 500 deals in my career. And uh, what happened was when I was at like 350 deals, it was like, I'd done that many deals, but I made no money, right? And the reason why is just transacting deals doesn't necessarily mean profit and what's really cool about what you said is, and guys, I, I hope you caught this like 12 deals a year, 12 flips, right? You can you can still capitalize on profit without doing that, right? Like with the other leads that are coming in. And you know, if you guys have been following Marty, which I'm sure a ton of you guys have, because Marty's a freaking baller. If you're not, go to his YouTube channel and follow him. But um, he's also getting into commercial. So these flips, I imagine, Marty, is they're providing the today money. So you can take some of that today money and feel very comfortable to then go into some of these big developments and these big projects that you're you're into. Um it, would you say that's accurate or that it's yeah you know, a little bit different?
0: No, that's dead on. And to your point, with the transactions and we were just the same way we we wanted to do transactions and we had very transactional behavior but like you just said it doesn't equal to the profits so like and again guys you know now that we have employees and you know all these different things so 12 is 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 what we need to be at but when we first started you know one um you know like if we did we could be if we we were like dude if we could just do four a year if we could just do three to four a year we're gonna be set and that's true for so many people right and that's fantastic and again we had to go through all that and one flip where you make 30 40 grand might be a life changer and that's amazing and let that be so to your just stay right there for a second it's it's this is guys this is you know six years in right of doing this for a long time and and being you know five years full time at this it's that's one thing right so a lot of people watching there that's kind of where they're oh geez 12 flips a year that's crazy do one make that one 25 thousand dollars paycheck where you're like wow i did it and and by the way what we did and i hope everyone does this is we always did a bang-up job we always went above and beyond on our flips because now how are we getting all these great properties and we're not killing ourselves because we're getting referrals from other people because we did what we say we were gonna do we did a good job and the the quality is unmatched we're not flippers we're custom remodelers that happen to then sell the property right and you keep that sort of Mm, you keep that conviction, and people know about it. They want to be a part of that. They want to sell to you because they want to come to the house after. It's part of our pitch. Let me show you our house, your house when you're done. Let me show you what I just did. You show shoddy work to somebody and go, hey, you want to come back and see your, your mom's house? No, I don't know. What is that you guys just did? No, we are we are serious. So that's number one. But, yes, this is today money that allows us to really focus on the commercial side the warehousing the industrial and the multifamily that we're doing but it starts with the one guys do the one do a really good job build up the reputation and the rest will take care of itself
2: I ask you guys both a question you know because you guys do a lot more um fix and flips than i do especially in this market when you guys like when you're looking at stuff because i know some markets and i know during 2008 a lot of people got hurt in the real estate crash that were doing fix and flips and they used hard money loans how are you guys both analyzing, like, you know, Marty, I know your market's still warm up there. Um, and, Ronnie, I'll go to you. Like, hottest you- market
0: in the nation. Part of Time Magazine. <laughs> Hot number one market in the United States is Rochester, New York. Let's go.
2: Yeah, I believe it. You guys, you're not feeling it. A lot of parts of the country, they're pulling back. So when these guys are doing the fix and flips, you know, look at Austin, Texas. And, um, you know, we have one right now where, you know, the property... We went under contract and the property's already dropped during the time period where we're still going through the process so how are you guys looking at when you're doing a fix and flip and you're looking at your numbers are you guys holding it are you looking at holding it or are you looking at you know taking you know ronnie why don't you answer that question
1: yeah so i've i've actually uh adjusted slightly i've i've been asking a lot of people questions in my market that have been here for a long time and one of the things guys I moved, I moved to Michigan, what, four years ago now? Three, three, four years ago. And so my history was in Dallas, right? Which is a completely different market, completely different dynamic. Um, just literally 180, 180 turn, I had to learn something new. And so I have actually been calling around. I just did it today. Uh, there's a property that I'm thinking about buying and just turn around and relisting. It's in really good shape. And I reached out to a couple guys because I was just like, you know, there's a, I have a couple of concerns. What do you think? And what I'm seeing in my market is there are certain subcategories, certain sub areas that are really, really, really desirable and hot to buy in. For instance, I just finished one of my flips in Grand Haven, right? We put it up one day on the market. We got a whole bunch of offers and we sold it for $20,000 over. Right. It's a sub market within my market that is that is very, very hot and very desirable. Well, there's other areas that are actually not desirable, right? Even in within like Kent County in the main Grand Rapids area, there's some just areas that the houses don't have the best layouts. They're not really the nicest put together. They're kind, they feel kind of janky. Right. They don't have a, an old historic like it just feels run down. And even when you fix it up. And so really, it's understanding. And I've I've never been in a time, Mark. And, and to you, too, Mark, I've never been in a time where really looking at the property and where it sits matters so much. Um, I just I just did another one in Coopersville. I purchased it. And I thought it was gonna be a really good deal. And I lost a whole bunch of money on it. I had to bring money to the table to get rid of it because I just missed stuff on the due diligence. And so to answer your question, I think you have to really understand your area. Is your area declining? Are things staying on market? Is there an over amount of inventory, right? What are the listings on the market? What is the available competition and what is under like what is the market need and what areas are needed and and so it's hard going across the country because some areas right like boise idaho is getting hit and like you said austin texas and really i think diving in and understanding what your buy box is and what's going to be a good investment i think is i think is probably one of the hardest things at the moment and the thing that will cause people to get caught with their pants down is understanding where you're at because you're right if you don't have an exit what's going to happen you're you have no exit now you just have to bring money to the table to get out and if you don't have it you're going to be in a really hard spot and so um due diligence up front like you want to know right? You want to know that someone was die, died and buried under that house 130 years ago before you purchased this property, you know, you want to know everything about it.
2: That's great. And just what you guys are talking about, like the deal that I have that I mentioned to you guys where I got nine offers, I could do the fix and flip. I could go ahead and put it all in there and maybe squeeze an extra 25, out of it. But for me, I'm unsure where the market is, and I I don't want to take that risk. I'd rather just take my profit. It's still going to be a nice profit. I I went into a, a lease option on it three years ago, sandwich lease option. The end buyer didn't purchase it. I ended up helping them back out with a little bit of their assignment feedback. I'm, I'm sorry, their option feedback. So I'm just going to just go ahead and close and just take the capital that I'm making and just move on instead of sticking into it. So that's how I'm looking at that, because the markets for me, the market is and even though the Florida market has been one of the greatest markets, you know, been settling, but I'm still I, I've been so, through the 2008 crash. Well, and Mark, I,
1: and I, I want to kind of lean this back is really once you figure out what you want, you figure out the target area is you find the deal. The next step in the fix and flip guys is really to arrange and figure out the financing. Right. And you mentioned earlier, you bought a subject to which. In one aspect, is a part of the financing, right? You've built into the financing to the purchase. But are you are you looking for something when you're talking about finance? Like when someone's thinking about getting in, what are the different options they have? And what do you look for when you're gonna go buy a deal? Is it you mentioned hard money, you mentioned seller financing? What are some of those options and things that you're looking for?
2: For me as you guys know, even when the market's been hot, you know, and everybody's been doing the wholesaling and all that, I've always, 90% of my deals are always seller financing. I've been doing that for, many, many got over 20 years. That's my main go-to. I always look at seller financing. That's my number one. And then I have capital partners that will come in and like use them to kind of do any type of improvements or anything like that. That's kind of how what model is. But I know you guys like Marty, um, you know, what's your model when you go into the financing, how does your, how does that whole process look for you when you kind of do that?
0: Yeah, we're, we're coming in cash and, uh, that's a big, a big part of, of why we're getting good deals is because, we can come in cash <laughs> and we can tell them and we can, you know, come in into that wholesale pricing because we are cash and we're and we're fast. And yeah, we use hard money and, uh, you know, we all started. Well, I shouldn't say we all I started with twelve and two, right. Twelve po- or twelve percent and two points. And that's pretty standard. I know it's kind of actually creeping up now. So, you know, there's hard money lenders really in every market. And you kind of gotta get punched in the face with those terms a little bit in the beginning, just to you know build up a a credit, you know build up credibility. Um, But yeah, we we do that now. We don't do that. We are still cash, but we have private money now, not hard money. So we have friends and family and business owners who. You know, know what we're doing because of that. We're doing stuff like this. Right. Because, you know, we're putting ourselves out there via social media, which is one of the episodes we talked about and letting people know and having a brand. Right. Which takes work, but it's worth it because people want to work with you because they know you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And then they see what you've done through videos and pictures. Right. So, yeah, it doesn't start like that but we started just like anybody else has to. You find a really good deal that you have to have some exit strategies, like we would buy and hold it if necessary if you're buying cash, but we are cash. We come in cash. We can do some sub two stuff and creative stuff if we need to, but we like to just be very simple. The seller gets it. Typically, if that's the case, then we're working together. Nice.
1: You know, today
0: I was on the phone
1: with uh, a lady that I'm, trying to build a, a greater relationship with, and she mentioned, she's mentioned to me multiple times that she does lending and she lends money. And so I was talking to her and she gave me, she gave me her terms and I, I asked, I probably could have asked it in a little less forward direction, but I was like, are you flexible on that? <laughs> right. And the, the reality is I've got other lenders that will do it a little bit less um and what i was really looking for was gap lending right someone to to lend the difference for uh for flip costs and for my 10% down payment as a second lien and she's like i don't do that but i know somebody who does i'll make an introduction for you and so that was really cool but i turned around and i told her i was like you know i really want to build a bigger relationship with you i think that you know there's some opportunities for us i like where you're at i like your expertise she's got a title company and some other stuff. And to your point, when you're building some of these relationships and when you're getting started, the cost is higher initially, but as you build credibility, that cost keeps going. And she actually said, she's like, look, if we start doing deals and I really trust that this is what you're doing and that I can just, she's like, I have guys that are cheaper than this and I know when they buy it, it's a deal. I don't even have to look at But what that looks like is as you're dealing with people's money specifically lenders they want to know the specifics they want it to be pointed they want to know what the return is going to be and they want to know that you're credible and it might be that when you go into a new relationship you have to start higher but the question is what is that relationship downturn when you go to a bank and you ask hey what's financing look like you always want to say hey if we build a relationship what will financing look like in 14 months and 2 years will i have different terms do we have different options or is it just this because if it's just this i'll go somewhere else but if it's different options that maybe it can get better then i'm willing to put in i'm willing to put in that effort now and pay the price now
0: so to your point right when we first started we would buy in the inner city of Rochester and houses would be like 18 to $25,000 right and we were paying 12 12% I keep saying 12 points no we're not doing 12 points 12% and two points well we have an opportunity to now borrow from that same lender now six years later a million three for an apartment deal okay so that that just gives you kind of like an idea of it is a slow moving process and if you care And it's something you really want to do and you are willing to just gut it out if you have to. And you, you know, just take it to the finish line. Even if that means, like Ronnie said, I got to bring money to the table to get somebody out. But the credibility you build with that person, because, again, it's other people's money is way more important than your own. Yes. And if you have that type of mindset, it's crazy what those relationships can do, because not even them. somebody else they know like you were saying Ronnie. well you should talk to this person then this person you know and that's kind of an issue when you have just one lender who keeps lending to you like we've had in the past so now that we are getting into bigger projects one of our struggles is now having to now build up a bigger base of folks where we can now you know because it's a team sport when you're dealing with you know multi-million dollar projects you kind of need a lot of different folks involved in that instead of just one so yeah but it starts with the one, do the one deal, do it the right way, make sure it works. Even if that means you got to pay a bunch of money out of your pocket to get them out of there, but you, you do what you say you're going to do and good things happen.
1: All right, Mark, I, uh, I know we're coming to the end of our time. This has been an uh, uh, amazing episode. I feel like this has really brought out some meat for you guys and the step-by-step process of what that looks like. Um, Mark, I, I know you you've got multiple things going on. You itching to, to step into the next step.
2: Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say something a little bit about the capital, because I've seen this happen where a lot of times, depending on how fast you need the capital, how long you use that capital, don't worry about if the rate is going to be a little bit more because time is worth more than trying to go out there. I, I, when I had my banking business, my mortgage banking business, we had to borrow like ten million dollars for like a few days for funding some loans. And I had one of my managers go out there and try to borrow, you know, use one of the call lineup. And he spent literally almost a whole entire day just a, over a quarter of a point. I'm like, dude, the money that I'm paying you, I lost more on it just for you trying to save a quarter of a point on that. So kind of use a little bit of common sense on that as long as your numbers work. You know, for me, I'm looking at it. Okay, if my numbers are work and I can go fast, I'm willing to pay a little bit more. That's all I'm saying on that. But what, eventually in the long run, you want to bring that capital down when you constantly keep going back to your lender on that. But
1: yeah, Mark, that is actually, guys, that's a gold nugget. That's a power play strategy. There's a, a lender that I have, and uh and and we can kind of come to a close. Um he's more expensive on the points up front, right? But he has two really big benefits number one he'll cover 100 of the entire deal so i don't have to bring any money and two i don't have to make any payments for six months so what this does is yeah it's five points when i use him but when i'm in other projects and something comes up he has the money he's ready to do it we've built credibility i've done multiple deals with him that's like, yo, he's not my first lender I go to, but when I do need a lender and I'm short on funds cause I'm in other projects or I've got things going on, just like Mark said, sometimes it's not about fighting for that point. Sometimes it's like, yo, there's an opportunity here for blank and my resources are tied up over here. All right, call him, we'll pay him a little bit more cause we're gonna maximize this amount of deal and it's a win-win. And so. Very, very strong point. Well, guys, we're we're coming to the top of the hour. This has been an awesome, awesome session. We might have to do a part two because I feel like we only got through like half the rehab process. But um, final, final things. I like doing the, the round table at the end. Final nuggets, Marty. Why don't you kick us off with uh with your final nugget? Things that people to work stay away.
0: with a partner on these, right? I, I would highly suggest, unless you have Substantial means, you know, we were coming from high six-figure jobs when we started flipping houses, right? So we could afford a loss. If that's not you, then work with someone who is experienced and has done it and partner with them. Find the deal and then they can, you know, even if that means, hey, I got a deal and uh, I just want to watch you do it. Yeah, that might be it if you're working with somebody incredible, right? So find somebody that's done this and that's doing it successfully, and then add value to them. And I promise you they're going to add value back to you. Thank you for tuning in to The Marty Grasani Show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us an honest rating and review. If you're on Spotify, make sure you follow us for weekly episodes.